0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 16 of the Simone Baseball Performance Podcast. I know I've been super inconsistent with the podcast, but you know my goal is to get better. It really is. I'm going to really put time and effort in the podcast and really going to try my hardest to have an episode each week for you guys, a new episode each week. So that's that. Uh, I was taking a walk earlier today and I was reflecting on a bunch of things, but the, it's good you know, to take a walk, drop the phone down for a little bit. And I was reflecting on this off-season. If you've been following me on Instagram or subscribe to my YouTube channel, I posted a, you know, off-season training montage of all the guys. I thought it was pretty cool. And, you know, I was thinking about this off-season, and, you know, I, I learned a lot this off-season about myself as a coach. I learned a lot from the athletes I trained, um, different training methods, etc. So, you know, I was just walking and talking about all these things in my head, and I figured, you know, why not make a podcast and just talk about my growth as a coach and, you know, some of the training methods that I had a lot of success with and which methods that I didn't have success with and what things I would do better next offseason. So I want to talk about that today on this podcast. So without further ado, let's get into today's show. So I want to start off this show with the high school athletes, what I learned from the high school athletes. I train three athletes consistently consistently. for six to seven months straight. Uh, and I trained them right when I got home in September from my internship at Cressy sports performance in Jupiter. And, you know, I, I learned a lot about the, or I learned a lot from these guys and each of them improved their game in some capacity. They got stronger. They built, um, you know, muscle, etc. And, um, what we did a lot of is just general strength work. I didn't do a lot of power and speed work. They did some, uh, if you were following me on Snapchat or whatever, when I, was posting them. But in my opinion, I just feel, you know, young high school athletes or beginner athletes, they just need to get just master the fundamental movement patterns and get strong. If they get strong, then their power and speed and everything else is going to improve. So, you know, some of the rep schemes that I use with them, uh, I, w- I wish I could have done things a little better. In terms of that, I, I didn't really go super high with the reps and I, I didn't learn that until like midway through the offseason. I had a lot of success one training phase I went with you know, super high reps with uh, certain things push-ups and uh, the main movement patterns like a trap bar deadlift or uh, Glute bridge, whatever it may be um, like 15 20 reps I had a ton of success with that and I wish that was something that I did early on I like I said, I Realize it later on in the off season, and then, you know, once they got in season, it's really, really tough. I can't, you know, give them 20 rep sets in season because, uh, you know, reps are what contribute to the most, to, uh, the most you know, soreness because it's your uh, muscles under more tension. So, so I wish I did that a little bit differently. And in, in the future, I'm definitely going to do that, especially starting off, you know, once an athlete comes off a season, does their preparatory phase um, where they're just, you know, doing basic movement patterns. I talked about that uh, early on. Um, just coming off a long season, restoring range of motion, et cetera, with, uh, movement based workouts. After a couple weeks of that, once we start our training, I'm going to start the rep super high, like probably 20 on the main lift. So they're not going super heavy, but they're mastering fundamental movement patterns and, um, like the squat, the hinge, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and then we'll progress down. So I had a lot of success with high reps. So that's definitely what I'm going to start with next off season. So that was the biggest thing with the high school kids I learned, and um, moving on now, let's talk about one of the pro guys that I trained. Uh, if you guys have been following me for a long time, this is the first athlete I think I've ever posted. This is my first athlete I've ever trained, Joe Deluca, um, He's a catcher in the American Association right now. What I learned about him, and this, what what I learned about him simply is all mobility isn't good mobility, and when I first started training, like I said, Joe was my first client and we did a lot of, I did a lot of movement-based, mobility-based stuff with him because, you know, I, I figured just, you know, stretching and movement, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's good for everybody. So that's what I thought at least. So as, you know, the years progressed, you know, and I understood more. And like I said, I went to Cressy Sports Performance and I learned a lot about the assessment, about the body, all that kind of stuff. And I started studying Joe's swing. I got to thinking that, you know, maybe mobility and stretching isn't the best thing for Joe. So, you know, now with my newfound knowledge, um, going into this off season, I started training Joe, I think in September, I assessed him and uh, I realized he's somebody that's really, really hypermobile and has a ton of mobility and lacks a lot of stability. So with him, movement or mobility, just honestly, I think it made him worse. Uh, He would pull off the ball a lot, spin off, uh, he, he had a hard time creating stiffness in his rear hip, um, when he'd load back. Um, and you know, I did a different, I, you know, went with a different approach for him. I actually did and Tom Murphy with the Colorado Rockies who trains here, um, in the off season helped me out with this a lot. Uh, he suggested this to me and, you know, I tried it and it really worked with Joe is, you know, obviously his training uh for his exercises and his workout all consisted of him using his whole body so like get ups uh inverted rows push-ups stuff like that where he has to stabilize um anything like that was really challenging for him and really really helped him but um, in terms of his warm-up before he trained he would do a lot of stuff that um pumped him up or before he uh hit so he would come come in come upstairs do his warm-up and then he would go hit so his warm-up consisted of him getting the biggest pump for his legs and upper body as he could. And uh, what that would consist of is him either pumping out on the assault bike for two to three minutes or walking with the sled, do upright sled walking for 12 trips, whatever it may be, and then um, hitting some uh, upper body work, so maybe some unloaded push-ups or, or like 20 unloaded push-ups, hammer curls with the band or tricep pushdowns with the band, whatever it may be, he created good stiffness from that. He was tight and pumped up, wound up, and he carried that over to a swing, and he swung a lot better. Uh, he felt really good. He created good stiffness, and he was crushing the ball. So it really worked for him. Um, again, that's not something I would suggest to anybody else, uh, just because I know Joe. I've been training him for four years now. And it really worked for him, uh, but that's just something I learned from him. Not everybody's gonna benefit from stretching and mobility-based stuff. That was a big uh, lesson for me. So now I want to talk about some training methods or exercises that I had a lot of success with this off-season. I think we have to start this off with the heavy hand-supported split squats. I had unbelievable results with these, uh, as you guys have probably seen if you're following me on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, guys got up to like. 460 pounds on a Bulgarian on one leg, which is unreal amount of weight for actually for reps too. It wasn't just one rep, uh, but I got unbelievable results with it. And this all stemmed from uh, Cam Joss, who posted a video of this back in September. I've never heard of this you know method before. He was using it with his athletes, and the first thing I noticed when watching it I was like, holy shit, that looks dangerous. Like he's just holding onto the bar for support. And, you know, I try to be unbiased as I can with stuff. And you know, I said, you know what, I'm not going to, you know, have my, form my opinion on it without, you know, actually trying it that a lot of people, uh, side note, a lot of people on the internet like to criticize what they don't understand. Uh, it seems like every time I posted a video of, of guys doing those exercises, which I probably posted like four or five videos this off season, people always complain and be like, Oh, that's not safe. You're not doing it right. Blah, blah, blah. And when you ask the people, they're like, Oh, yeah, I've never tried it myself, but, you know, I'm going to criticize. So, anyway, just one of my pet peeves on the the internet here. Uh, Yeah, I had a lot of success with it. I, I saw it on Cam's account, and, you know, he was having awesome results with his NFL clients, and I tried it out myself before the athletes in September. I did the split squat in place, and I did the Bulgarian after that, four weeks each, and my split squat in place went up 100 pounds from week one to week four, and then from week, whatever you want to call it, five, six, seven, eight, with the Bulgarian split squat, I went up 80 pounds on each leg. So, I mean, it worked. I got a lot stronger on one leg, and that was my huge goal this offseason. I changed all their heavy lifting for the week, or their one day, the guys would all do one heavy lift for the week, usually on Friday, their max effort day. And that would always be uh, nine times out of ten, would be a single leg exercise, because I wanted them as strong as humanly possible on one leg, because single leg strength, in my opinion, is crucial to athletic performance. Everything you do on the field, is on one leg, so I wanted them. I wanted them to be as strong and powerful on one leg as possible. So, this drill helped accomplish that. I mean, guys got super heavy, like I said, and um, it, it 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 carried over into their other lifts as well. I mean, a guy went up 50 pounds on a on a trap bar deadlift, got up to like 550, and he's somebody that's been lifting for eight years. So to go up like in eight weeks, uh, 50 pounds on a trap bar, that was a big deal in my opinion. So yeah, I had a lot of success with the heavy hand-assisted split squats. I uh, just think if you guys can dedicate four to eight weeks, pro guys, advanced lifters, if you can dedicate four to eight weeks of supra maximal eccentric training to improve tissue resiliency and improve single leg strength, I think that's amazing. Like I think I would highly advise a lot of people if they could to do that. So the next training method that I had a ton of success with is the heavy sled sprints. So the heavy sled sprints and the heavy hand-assisted split squats were the two exercises I used throughout the entire pro off-season with all the pro guys and some of the advanced college guys as well. And what I did with this, the heavy sled sprints, I used, I got up to about 91% of the athlete's body weight on the sled, so they were working sixty-nine to ninety-one percent the entire time, and that is the strength range. So this was a strength exercise and a strength exercise again on one leg, like I talked about. I was trying to stress single-leg strength the whole off-season, and these worked great. Um, I just literally you have—I just feel like you have to have a good forward lean. You have to just uh, apply force into the ground, uh, or you're not going to sprint with you know all the load that's uh, attached to your waist. So these guys, I mean, these guys had, some of the guys had like 200 pounds they were sprinting with. So, you know, I I think it really corrected their sprint mechanics. I, after doing them for like eight to some guys, actually I get, I did 12 weeks of this with eight to 12 weeks with their mechanics were so smooth after I wish I like did a before and after video or something of it. I was always talking to the guys about that, but all their mechanics got so much better. And again, they improved strength on one leg, strength and power as the off season got, you know, as I got later in the off season and, you know, speed of movement, uh, became crucial. So, you know, once the athlete moves closer to their, to their season, they move into the peaking phase or speed phase. So everything I want to be, uh, fast. So they're, they they did not really have at the end, a max effort lift. It more so was a dynamic effort lift. So I had them do, I had actually two athletes use the heavy sled sprint as their main lift at the end of their off season training and they would use loads of like 60, uh, to 70%, no, nothing over 70%, uh, because speed of movement was, was crucial. So, uh, yeah, drop down to 60, 70% as a dynamic effort movement later in the off season peaking phase. And it worked really well as well. So yeah, I I just had a lot of success with a heavy sled sprint and it really, really corrected the athlete's mechanics, improved their acceleration mechanics a lot. So that's something that I'm definitely going to use. I had a lot of success with those two methods for their max effort strength work or dynamic effort strength work, whatever you want to call it. All right. Uh, The last training method that I had a lot of success with was upright sled walking. Again, I made a post about this uh, on Instagram and This was big, I used it a ton with the guys pretty much every day in the off season and I still use it a ton in season with the high school athletes that I'm training here in Syracuse. It is fantastic because it's purely concentric if you're an in-season athlete right now. uh, There's no eccentric stress with it. Usually uh, exercises that have a long eccentric portion or lowering portion usually tend to cause the most muscle soreness. So this exercise is great because you can train the hamstrings and glutes with tons of volume. And it's not going to make you sore. So, this drill is awesome in season, and as well, I like using it. uh, I like using it on low days. So I use a high-low template for anybody that doesn't know. Uh, If you've been following me on Instagram, et cetera, you know that uh, kind of my training methods. I guess you would call it. But I use a high-low template. So I go like one day high, Tuesday would be a low day, Wednesday high, uh, Thursday low, and Friday high, uh, Saturday, Sunday off or low. And the high-low is just high CNS stress-based exercises on one day and low CNS stress-based exercises the other day, the next day. And this exercise is very, um, it doesn't really tax your CNS at all. It's very, uh, it's, it's not very impactful, but it's also, it, it gives you the benefit of training your glutes and hamstrings without making them sore, like I said before. It was a great way to just hammer the posterior chain with tons of volume for the guys pretty much every day. And, uh, you know, I think that contributed to a lot of, A lot of fast times. uh, Guys got a lot faster. um, Improved power up with everything. I think you know the posterior chain is king um, for athletic develop or for athletic performance. So that was a big, a big, uh, big thing I used a lot this off season. I first saw that from Louis Simmons of Westside Barbell. He uses it a bunch of different ways with his athletes, and he trains or he trains with or trains. I don't know how to say this. I guess, Um, but he trains some of that. uh, best or strongest athletes in the entire world in Columbus, Ohio. So that really was a big one for me. That's something I'm going to continue to use in the off season for sure. Um, So those are all the training methods that I really wanted to cover. Just looking at my paper right now. I think now I want to talk about uh, something I could have done better, I guess, um, in terms of training, in terms of programming wise. And that is monitoring total volume for the day. I think as the guys got closer, I kept med ball throws and jumps a little too high. I feel I I almost like now I just want to take them completely out of the program. So if a guy you know threw a 40 pitch bullpen, whatever it may be, at close to max intensity, then I don't think he needs to do any med balls or jumps for the day. I mean, maybe you know if you want to do a jump contrast later, that's fine. But with the strength work, but I just think like what we know about throwing is it's a, it's throwing and hitting. Is that they're two of the fastest motions in all of sports. And with that being said, they're gonna impose um or gonna, you know, stress the nervous system, impose the most demand on the nervous system, which is going to burn you out, tire you out. So, you know, looking back, I, I probably would have taken a lot of the med ball stuff down, if not take it out altogether, um, for certain athletes. So, you know, that was something, you know, I wish I could have done a better job at and this is something that I really want to get off my chest because I haven't like found out a way or figured out a way how I want to, you know, post about it on on social media. But anyway, um a lot of the high school athletes that I've trained or parents I've talked to or emails I get from these kids, they're all hurting, their shoulders hurt, their they're in uh their swings getting tired, et cetera. they're, you know, getting oblique injuries, whatever it may be. And, you know, I'm talking to them and asking them what they're doing in practice and games and their coaches like these high school coaches, a lot of high school coaches out there are just killing their kids with tons of volume of, you know, throwing, hitting every day. You know, you you don't need all that. I don't think coaches realize the, like what I just said before, that throwing a baseball and swinging a bat are two of the most, are two of the fastest motions in all of sports and are going to stress the nervous system, you know, the most. So, if you're a high school coach, like stop making your, your guys make hundreds of throws a day on unnecessary throws, like save that for the game. Uh, I think you'll guys, I think you. if any high school coaches are winning or winning, getting ahead of myself, if any high school coaches are listening out there, I think you guys are going to win a lot more games if you monitor your athletes outputs. So not having them uh, take 200 swings a day, not having them make 100 throws from the outfield the day before a game. Yeah, I had a high school kid actually actually do that so you know I just think you have to know the demand of the movement and throwing and swinging a bat are two of the fastest motions or two of the fastest you know things you can do in all of sports and they have to be taken into account so high school coaches stop killing your kids quality over quantity every day of the week had to get that off my chest guys it was that was something that was really bothering me but um the final thing that I want to talk about, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, like I'm a coach that doesn't care or anything like that. Because if you know me, it's you know that you know how much effort I put into the kids and how much I care about all the kids that I train, and you know even the kids that I don't train online, how much I want you guys to you know be successful. That's why I do all this. It's my passion. Um, the biggest thing I learned as well this off season, and you know this has happened not this not just this off season, but last off season as well, is you can't want it more than your athletes. I, I want the most out of my I want the most success from my athletes I that's all I care about is results about them improving their game and reaching their goals. So when an athlete comes into me you know for an assessment and says, "You know these are my goals, Alex, I want you to help me accomplish X, y, and Z, I'm going to do everything in my arsenal to accomplish those goals. but you know if you tell me you want to accomplish those goals." And I'm giving you a hundred percent of my effort. You know, like I said, I live eat, and sleep training. Like I want results for my kids over, every, over anything. And, um, you know, when you tell me you want X, Y, and Z, and then you come up and you show up late consistently. If you don't know your, you know, individualized up that I put together every day for you guys, and I have to keep going through it every day. If you, you know, show me no effort, uh, if you miss sets. So, you know, I train guys in a group setting and I won't be training guys one on one for the most part, so if I have five guys at once and somebody says or and I see a guy doing the first set and he only does two sets instead of you know five, then that tells me, okay, this guy doesn't give a shit so and, and that really hurts me and it hurt me in the past because I was giving a hundred percent of my effort into the kid, and you know they were not giving me anything back so it's it's almost like a relationship like you have to give. In my opinion as a coach if you're a coach listening and if you're an athlete listening you have to meet your coach halfway if you're if you're an athlete and if you're a coach you have to meet your athlete halfway and that's super important but again as a coach, I feel like you can't want it more than your kid so if a kid came late every day if he you know wasn't eating when I told him to eat if he was showing me no effort in the workout and I'm giving him hundred percent I can't like I can't want it more than than he does if that makes sense he or she so that's a big thing I learned, you know, I would get really upset, um, you know, because a guy would tell me they wanted, wanted to accomplish certain types of goals. And I would take that serious. Like, that's what they want to do. That's why they're hiring me to do that. And I'm going to do everything I can to do that. And when an athlete, you know, doesn't give you a hundred percent or whatever it may be, 80% for the day, half meeting you halfway, then it's, it's really, um, it's, it's, it's really, really hurtful. Like I I would wake up and train anybody at two in the morning. I don't really care if they were giving me a hundred percent effort, but if you're going to, you know, consistently want my time and, you know, shit on it or shit on, you know, what I'm doing as a coach to help you, then, you know, I don't want to train you. And, you know, I don't, I don't really care if I'm leaving money on the table because this is my passion. This is what I wake up and love to do every day. And, if you're just not going to care or not put in you know half the effort like i'm there like don't don't get me wrong i'm there to pick every athlete up that needs to be picked up because there's gonna be days that you don't want to train but for you to you know consistently show no effort i don't want your money to keep it because that's not that that just makes me upset because like i said i put everything i have into my kids i want nothing more than seeing them develop reach their goals and get results that's all i care about that's why i do this so um yeah, that's the biggest thing I learned. I'm not training anybody that, that, uh, doesn't care, but at the same time, I can't want it as bad as my athletes. They have to want it equally as bad. Again, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not the one playing the sport. I'm the one training them. So, so that's all I got for today. Uh, sorry if I talked too fast there and you didn't understand some of that. I'm a, I'm a, when I get fired up, I'm a talk fast. I'm a, see, see, how, see how I just messed that up guys. If you're paying attention, <laughs> I'm a fast talker when I get fired up. So Um, sorry about that. That's all I got for today. Like I said, uh, I'll be back the next couple weeks. Actually next week, I'm having a special guest on and we're dropping a massive announcement that's going to shake the high school baseball industry. It's going to improve so many athletes game and make sure you guys tune in for it. I'm super, super pumped about it. So Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Adios.